Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hi, welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, joined today by Dale Jarrett in person at our NBC Sports Charlotte studio. DJ, thanks for making your first in-person appearance here on the <laughs> podcast, and I think in over a year. Appreciate yep, you being glad here. to do it. Thank you. Here to talk about the uh, Kansas Cup race. And it's funny, DJ, because I think one of the last times I had you on here was toward the end of the 2019 season when Kyle Busch was closing in on championship number two, but he was wrestling, obviously, with a lot of stuff going on inside, outside the car, mm -hmm. and he wins this Kansas Speedway race, the ultimate birthday present for him, by the way, turning yep. 36 years old on the day <laughs> that he wins at Kansas. And I thought it was really interesting that one of the first things he said was that he was really proud of extending his winning streak, 17 straight years of winning at least one cup race, tied now with David Pearson and one behind Richard Petty for all time. And you know, I think back to the conversation we had a couple years ago and, and last year when he, he extended that streak with the victory at Texas late in the year, and it almost seems as if like this means more to him than maybe anything short of the championship. And yeah. last year, I, I think that it almost meant more to him that sure. like, hey, I didn't win the title and defend my title in 2020, but yeah. I kept that winning streak going. As a driver, what do you think it is about Kyle Busch here that means so much that he keeps this winning streak alive of 17 straight years with at least one cup victory? I think if I look at that, Nate, what it tells me is that 200 wins uh, in cup races that Richard Petty has, Kyle Busch is not going to get there along with anybody else uh, ever is going to get to there. David Pearson, I believe, is at 105. Right. Uh, yep. And so he's not going to reach that. But here he has tied David Pearson in those 17 straight years of, of winning at least one race. And he's only one year uh, behind that happening uh, of tying Richard Petty, uh, which I think as I looked at that during my career, I thought that would be just incredible to think that you could do that, that you could sustain the ability to every year uh, go out there and put forth uh, that effort. The effort's going to be there, but are all the things that have to happen going to be there? And we know how close that came to coming to an end last year, and I think that made him appreciate that even more. But these are two of the all-time greatest drivers uh, that, that he is right there with now. And, and again, it's not being able to get to some of their other records, uh, this is an opportunity that he has uh, in the next couple of years of setting a record of his own that may never be broken. Yeah, it's interesting, DJ, because he's not going to get to 200 cup wins, but obviously he's already passed 200 yes. cup Xfinity truck wins. And you know a lot of debate in the last few years about whether that should count or not. <laughs> it clearly counts for Kyle Busch in some ways. I mean, he's, sure. he's truly a historian of NASCAR in some ways. And he, he talked about this post-race. I can't tell you how many wins we've thrown away or missed out on versus the ones we've stolen. You know what I mean? So I, I don't even know where the number total really could be, but I think that's the biggest thing that kind of sets in my mind is always the ones that got away. And 
you're, you're never going to get them back. You know what I mean? Like, even if you got to 100 wins in the Cup Series, man, that would be amazing. But then I'd always wonder, well, hell, I could have had 130. You know what I mean? So it's just a matter of continuing to persevere and push through. Do you get that sense that like he chases history maybe as much as any driver uh, in the current era? And was there anybody you raced against or that he reminds you of who, who was you know, concerned about getting those numbers up on the board? Yeah, I, I don't think that I can think of anybody that thought about putting those numbers up there as much. When I, when I look back on it, I always thought that Jeff Gordon was that person that might be able to reach that 100 number. Uh, just with the numbers he was putting up there, uh, especially there, you know, as he started his career and, and we got into the late 90s, I mean, you know, he was had double-digit wins in so many uh, different years there that you thought, hey, this might be possible. Obviously, he's not going to get to the 200, but he might be that person to challenge uh, to, to get that, that 100 number. But I think that every person is different. And from a competitor standpoint, this is something that, that drives Kyle Busch. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, why do you not want to be yeah. uh, a part of history and, and make your own history if that's uh, the case? So why wouldn't he do that? It, certainly. And I'm one that's not going to count as total of, of two, more than 200 wins uh, to be anything close to what Richard Petty was able to accomplish. But... What Kyle Busch has accomplished is history in itself and a tremendous feat that he's been able to win as many races in those three series as what he has. So, hey, I, I'm, I'm not going to say you know, that he needs to stop thinking about that and, <laughs> and think about other things uh, yeah. because this is what motivates him right now, and it's obviously working. Well, this is his 58th career cup victory, and he gave us a little bit of a window on what his, his goals are after the, the race. He said that last year was a tough year, only getting one, so that definitely hurt the yearly average. Uh, we got to get back on that. I'm, I'm telling Ben every day we got to win 10 races this year so I can get that average back up. But um, realistically, though, you know, if you can have five win seasons, that's um, that's exactly where you need to be. So hopefully we can continue to keep this role going and, and get ourselves where we need to be. And so he tells us after the race last night that, hey, I'm telling my new crew chief, Ben Bayshore, we've got to get 10 this year to make up for last year. So no pressure for the new guy after he comes off a one-win season in 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, that is putting a lot of pressure yeah. there to, to think that you do, especially in a year now, right now, whenever you know we're looking that only one driver has been able to get two uh, in these first uh, 11 races. So I think that's a tall order. But once again, I think that Kyle Busch is starting to show uh, a little bit more of what we have come to expect from him. Uh, but I, I think because of the level of competition, I think the way the rules have changed, I think the way the schedule has changed, I don't know that that's working in his favor mm. as much. It's not that he's not a good road racer, uh, but I think more than anything, the, the direction of where the cars went uh, probably took away a little bit of an advantage that he had as a driver and has made him uh, change and adapt uh, to the changes in the rules. And so it's taken him this long to, to get this, these wins and become more difficult. So it, it, that's a tall order, uh, but hey, got to have goals. And two years ago, there was no question, the first year of the low horsepower, high downforce rules were not something Kyle, but even though he won yeah. a championship in 2019, that did not make Kyle Busch happy. And there was a lot of talk in 2019 when he would get out of the car after races and just be generally really frustrated and upset. And, you know, at that time, going back to our conversation a couple of years ago, DJ, that was also the time when, you know, you had said, like, I can tell something's going on with him. And after he won the championship in 2019, you know, he explained, hey, it's my wife and I, Samantha mm -hmm. has been battling these infertility problems. 
And you know, I thought it was really interesting, DJ, after the victory Sunday at Kansas, he got out and one of the first questions from Fox reporter Jamie Little was kind of in relation to, hey, this has been a tough week for you. Yeah. And Kyle said it because Samantha and he had just announced that for the fourth time that they've unfortunately had this situation where infertility is going to keep them from having a second child. And you know, he said that it, it doesn't affect him in the car. But as soon as he got out, then it kind of hit him. And I'm, yeah. you know, when you talked about this two years ago, it seemed like then it was more difficult for him to compartmentalize. And do you sense that like maybe he's kind of be able to, you know, put that aside a little bit more when he's inside the car? I mean, obviously the personal stuff is yeah. not something we have a, a huge window into, but it just, it seems generally from the outside that he's in somehow a better place professionally, even though personally they're, they're still having the same struggles. Yeah, I think that, that that's part of maturity uh, and, and the understanding of everything. It doesn't make his life outside the race car any easier. Uh, but what he has been able to do, I believe, is, is take that time. For him to say a couple of years ago almost now that that wasn't bothering him inside the race car, I, I think that that was him trying to convince himself that that wasn't the case. Uh, I think that it was uh, having a big effect on his ability to do his job. And uh, understandable. I mean, my gosh, you know, driving a race car is your job, is your passion. But especially once you have a wife and you start having children, then priorities do change a little bit. And you look at life a little bit differently, and so it, it was easy to understand why he was so distracted there. And uh, you know, this is an ongoing battle for them. Uh, I, I appreciate all their efforts, their honesty to allow uh, the rest of us inside their life, because so many times you, you wonder what is going on. You know, does he just not care about driving uh, the car as much anymore because he's been doing this for so long and had so much success? But now it's a little bit more understandable. But I loved yesterday uh, seeing that uh, right out of the car. Uh, you know, he didn't even really have time to gather his thoughts that much. Uh, it wasn't an unfair question by Jamie Little, but no. by any means, it was the no. perfect question. And it allowed Kyle to open up a little bit to the rest of us and, and see, sometimes we forget that these guys, they're superhuman inside the car, uh, yeah. but they're human beings uh, for 95% of the time. And so it was great to see that. And I think that probably that win uh, yesterday helped even more uh, with that in relieving some of that pressure that he's been feeling. So you think it just kind of comes with age, with time, with experience yeah. that you just learn how yes, to deal with it? Yes, you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You learn to deal with a lot of things uh, through that. And and we've seen uh, over the years that, you know, back when he had his injury, uh, right, right. With the year that he won his first championship, that uh, I, we, we saw a more mature uh, Kyle Busch come out of that situation uh, because something that he just kind of took for granted for so many years uh, had all of a sudden been taken away from him and uh, he went on to do great things there. So uh, yeah, it's the, life is a learning process and, and uh, you know we learn more. If we could have these things figured out and, and <laughs> have all of this experience before we ever have to experience all of that, then sometimes things would be a lot easier to, to handle and we might have more success early on, but I think that it makes it uh, more worthwhile as we go through that. Well, you know, winning certainly cures a lot of things, especially when it comes to a personality, a talent like Kyle Busch. But it does feel to me, DJ, as if he's kind of learned to, and again, maybe it's just three seasons really into this lower horsepower, high downforce package. It does seem as if he's kind of accepted it a little yeah. more. You know, one of my favorite movies is uh, Dr. Strangelove, which is subtitled <laughs> How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. 
And like, I almost think like Kyle Busch has sort of like learned to love the bomb when it comes to yep. the NASCAR rules package <laughs> in this way. Like, I, you know, I don't know if he necessarily likes it, but you know, Brad Kozlowski talked about this with you guys on Motormouths last week that first time I've heard anybody say it publicly, I think among the drivers, he wasn't a big fan of this package. Yep. And now he just sort of like understands like, hey, it made the racing a little better at Kansas and this is the way it's gonna be. Mm -hmm. I just have to deal with it. Do, do you see some of that? I mean, does it feel like yep. Kyle and some of these other guys have sort of accepted, hey, this is the deal? Yeah, I think before that, uh, before these rules change and there's something as drivers that you always have to be willing to do is adapt to the changing times in years past it, it there were changes you know through the car with the cars and things and, and so you had to as a driver learn to do things a little bit differently and uh, I, I think that Kyle Busch's talent got him through so much uh, before and I really thought that it would carry over to, to this part because he was so good in the Xfinity side uh, but and that was a little bit more as to where these cars went uh, with the, the horsepower and the downforce relationship but then you start to realize just how talented all the drivers are and when it starts bringing the talent level closer uh, by these changes in the cars, uh, then a driver with Kyle's talent uh, can't use that all the time. And I think he was slow to adapt to that, slower uh, to, to want to make changes to, to what he was doing and how he went about things. And uh, I, I do see him changing that now. And, and um, even though this year, we, we haven't seen, and even yesterday, uh, in the, the win, it wasn't a dominating win, no. but he ran right up front all day. And, and that's what you have to do is put yourself in position. And then his talent did take over when it came time to win the race and, and do the right things at the end. So uh, I think that he is uh, changing. And, and again, that goes with uh, becoming a more mature driver and person. The last time I had you on the podcast, DJ was remote, and it was after uh, Atlanta when we talked about Kyle Larson, uh, unfortunately letting mm -hmm. a win slip away there with Ryan Blaney. It happens again Sunday at Kansas, completely different circumstances. I mean, I don't think you can really put one iota of this on Kyle Larson in some instances, but yeah. like, it was really interesting to me, DJ, afterward, Kyle Larson was beating himself up really hard on himself for finishing 19th uh, after running top five and leading so many laps, even though it was almost entirely circumstantial. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Got one win, <laughs> could have four or five. Um, but uh, yeah, just another another day where I lead a lot of laps and don't win. So it's kind of figured out. Is he being too hard on himself? <laughs> I mean, I know he's had some slip away this year and got one win with Hendrick and, you know, maybe he should have a few more. But to me, it seems like things have mostly gone according to plan for him this year. And yeah. I, feel, I feel like he's still in good shape here. He's in good shape, but I, I appreciate his honesty of, of putting that out there for everybody to, to start looking at. I, I think that he's just being a, a very competitive driver. You do not, especially on day, these things, these races are hard to win. Yeah. And when you have the best car and when you've dominated races and you don't win that race, you're, you're frustrated. Uh, you're, you're mad at yourself. Uh, you know, unless somebody has wrecked you and, and created that situation for you. But, but in the case of, of Kyle Larson yesterday, I'm not going to say that he made any mistakes. Uh, did he choose the wrong lane uh, on one of the restarts? Yeah, you could argue that, but he did what he thought was the right thing to do. And that's all that you can do is think that you're putting yourself in the right position uh, to go win this race that you've dominated. And uh, when that doesn't happen, and especially when you fall back and finish 19th after all of that, uh, I mean, they're lucky their cars weren't wadded up and they were, you know, going in on a, with a wrecker uh, because they did a great job of not, he and Blaney in particular, of not crashing there off a of turn two. But um, I, I, I just appreciate 
it, you know, he's competitive. He wants to do this, uh, and, and he wants to win every time that you have that opportunity. And when you don't take advantage of those times you have the best car, then, then you feel like that you've done something wrong as a driver. So you're going to be hard on yourself. Do you think in the case of him being so hard on himself, it also might be, and this is somewhat a little bit counterintuitive, because you think about where Kyle Larson was a year ago, mm -hmm. and you think, surely he's you know, eternally grateful to have had this second chance and now to be put into this top you know, class premier ride. But I wonder if like, there's a flip side to that a little bit, and that this is the best ride he's ever been in in Cup, no yeah. offense to Ganassi. And again, knowing where he was a year ago, you know, maybe that gave him this new perspective of, every single time a win gets away it's it's magnified times a thousand given everything that's transpired with him you know we've how many drivers have we heard that say that you you, you appreciate that last win because yeah. you never know when the next one's coming if the next one is even coming so yeah. there, there are no guarantees out here i don't care if you have the best car all the time there's just no guarantees and and that's why you're so upset as a driver and a competitor uh, when you let one get away where you clearly had the best race car uh, and you were in position uh, to make this to make this happen once again so uh, you know I, I'm sure that he, he's not forgetting uh, what he went through in, in 2020 and the opportunities weren't he wasn't even sure he would get another opportunity in this much less it come back and be with Hendrick Motorsports and in a great situation so as much as he might not sound like He's appreciative of that opportunity right there after yesterday's race. He is that. Uh, it's just a matter that uh, you, you don't want these races to get away from you when you have that chance. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And it probably would not have gotten away from him if not for this curious caution call uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that really just turned the race upside down, DJ. Tyler Reddick's tire gets away from his crew on lap 213, uh, during the middle of a green flag cycle, NASCAR elects to wait until the end of this cycle, which because of the number 17 of Chris Buescher went all the way to lap 230. They waited 17 laps, waited all the way through this pit cycle before they threw the yellow. So the question to you, DJ, is does that call make sense from NASCAR? And I guess also, have you seen, have you ever seen them wait that long to throw a yellow like that? Yeah, I don't, I, I can't remember waiting that long. Uh, I've seen them wait for this very same reason that it's right in the middle. Uh, they're, they're not wanting to affect the race like in, in that way. Uh, when something, it, it wasn't 
you know, presenting any type of a dangerous situation for really anyone involved. So I, I appreciate that. But if a caution is going to be thrown for this reason, then it should be done immediately. Right. Uh, it, it's, I believe it. I, I appreciate and I understand that they don't want it just to upset things totally by somebody staying out there. Uh, but that's the strategy that they're playing, that something is going to you know, take place uh, and, and they're going to get the caution that they're looking for. So it, it, it's a tough call. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate it in the spirit of uh, competition and fairness uh, to, to everybody involved. Uh, but there again, if, if it is going to require uh, a caution to be thrown to, to remedy this situation, uh, then it should be done immediately when it happens. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's sort of my issue with it, is that like, I get why NASCAR doesn't want to impact the rhythm, the natural flow of a green flag pit cycle, but at the same time, it's almost like with safety, it seems like it's hard to apply a gray area to safety. Safety to me yes. is absolute. It's yes. like if it's a caution, you have to react immediately. You mm -hmm. can't just wait until like you think that it's the right time to yeah. not disrupt the race. And I, like, I don't know. I mean, they throw the caution and then I don't know how many cars were wrecked after they threw the yellow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, in a sense, like it, it almost created more of a safety hazard with more crashes resulting from the yellow. If we waited 17 laps, uh, you know, we didn't have that many more till the end of the race. So yeah. could that tire not have sat there if you're going to wait that long? Yeah. I mean, why, why even throw it? Why not yeah. let, why not let this go on through, yeah. uh, and, and it be there. That tire is not going to roll back across there. So you either have to immediately make that decision, yeah. uh, or let it sit there and, and let's take our chance that nobody comes down through there. Uh, and, and something happened, which we had not seen at, at any point in time. Some people were suggesting like, could NASCAR close pit road, but leave it under green and then let a crew member run out and you know, the six to 10 seconds it would take to retrieve yeah. the tire and bring it back. Does that I, I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. You know, someone yeah. in the right situation and, and, you know, obviously looking down. Yeah. I, I think that's a very viable option, uh, in the future. We talked about Kyle Larson and I agree with you. I don't think he necessarily could be faulted for any of the lane choices on restarts or the, or the moves he chose to make. Obviously the, the last restart, he and, he and Blaney had that interesting <laughs> situation there where he was trying to push him and he said, Hey, I haven't been behind people. I, I didn't know yeah. how hard I could push. Uh, and it struck me, DJ, that it feels like these 550 races, 550 horsepower races, uh, particularly at Kansas, they're almost, they've almost become maybe more of a crapshoot on restarts than yeah. even like Talladega. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? I mean, is it the case of that, like where drivers, they have so much experience with super speedway drafting versus this kind of drafting, which is similar, but not exactly the same that, I mean, you know, maybe it's just going to take a certain number of reps. I don't know how much longer it'll look like this with the new car, <laughs> but do you have any reaction to that? You know, the, the difference is when you, you start comparing that to Daytona or Talladega, you have the banking that are gonna, that's going to hold those cars in, in a position to where, and we even see it go wrong there sometimes, but uh, when you get to a place to where you, you already don't have that banking, you had laps on the tires, so you, you're lacking some grip there, and you start pushing that hard at the end, uh, then you have to expect something's going to happen. And, and this isn't going to change. Drivers aren't going to say, oh, I remember the last time. No, you don't <laughs> remember the last time. When you're in that situation, you're thinking about one thing, and that's yeah. how, if I'm, if I'm doing the pushing, how hard can I push for us to get to the front and, and try to make a pass? Because he had one thing on his mind, and that was he had led uh, more than half of this race, and, and he was going to push as hard as he possibly could, not knowing where 
that point was going to be that it was going to uh, break the back end of, of Ryan Blaney's car loose. And, and how Ryan Blaney didn't wreck, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but that was just incredible. But, but drivers are going to continue to do that. And uh, when, when we see uh, this rules package at, at these different type tracks, especially in the perfect scenario, with, a, with brand new tires on where you've got all the grip and everything, that, that probably wouldn't have been the case there. Uh, but they had been on these and had a couple of different cycles, so you just don't have the grip. Even though you've had a caution for them to cool off some, uh, you still don't have that grip. So uh, these are just drivers trying to win, and uh, it does seem to happen at Kansas uh, yeah. a little bit more. I mean, yeah. the crashes we have there uh, have been spectacular over the years. Uh, but, but I think this is something we're going to continue to see uh, as we have these late race cautions. When you watch this kind of racing, knowing how good you were at super speedway racing at Daytona and Talladega, do you look at it and think, maybe I would have liked to have tried that? <laughs> I mean, as crazy as it looks. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I, I do uh, think that and yeah. think, yeah, I, I would have liked that challenge. And, you know, a couple of times that yesterday that uh, Fox took us inside Denny Hamlin's car, especially whenever he was racing Larson there. Uh, I, I appreciated everything that it was taking, uh, you know, to, to drive your line. And, and it's even more critical on a mile and a half track to be able to do that as you're trying to run wide open around this track that's not that wasn't made to, to yeah. be run wide open around and uh, uh, everything that it was taking to not only uh, be able to run the line that you could stay wide open because if, if you crack the throttle at all uh, th then you're going to lose your position but to do that and, and also be looking in the mirror to see what the driver behind you where has he gone uh, and, and Larson was doing a great job with Denny uh, during that time to uh, kind of change his line up and, and have Denny kind of guessing through all of that and it eventually made Denny make a mistake uh, yeah. there to to cost him so uh, I, I do look at that and think wow I think that that cat and mouse game would be a lot of fun to be a part of that was sort of your wheelhouse do you feel like when you raced I mean, yeah you yeah a lot of victories in yes like yeah. That, yeah I I, I like that idea of, of being able to do it and I made some mistakes along the way and, yeah, yeah. and you learn those uh, you know I, there were a couple of races that I lost that I was not happy with myself <laughs> about that that I just did the wrong thing thinking at the time I was doing the right thing uh, but it wasn't so the win by Kyle Busch, DJ, now gives us 10 winners in 11 races in NASCAR. Uh, I think the last few have certainly been guys we expect. We had Kyle Busch, we had Brad Kozlowski at Talladega, but we still got Denny Hamlin out there. We still got yep. Kevin Harvick. We still got Chase Elliott. It's pretty certain we're going to get to at least probably 13, just counting yep. those three. 15 more races in the regular season. Do, do we get past that magical 16 winner uh, mark? I, 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 you know, I looked at that a lot, especially after the race yesterday, and, and you start looking at the rundown, and you, you look at the tracks coming up and, and what we have left here uh, before the playoffs start. And the new road courses that we're going to certainly open some doors, but you have to believe that that our winner there, uh, unless it, you know, somebody makes a strategy move uh, that, that works out for them, one of our winners, or, or Chase Elliott, who we expect to win, uh, is, is going to get that. Uh, there's always the, you know, the last race before the playoffs start at Daytona, and, and that's certainly a wild card. So that kind of puts me at that 14 number. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think that's in looking, uh, unless we get some very unusual circumstances at Coda or at, at Road America, uh, or even at Sonoma, uh, that, that could get us a, a winner that we're not thinking about at, the, uh, at this moment. Uh, I think we, we go to, to Daytona and, and get a wild card winner there, then, then we might look at that 14 number. But that's, you know, gosh, when you look at that, I mean, 
you know, you're getting down then to only two spots available uh, yeah. in points, and you know, that that whole race is pretty tight. Matt DiBenedetto has done a great job of getting himself back in uh, that conversation or back inside the top 16 now when it, it looked like, you know, from the start of their year, they weren't going to have anything at all for not only the top 16, but, you know, he's even, you know, challenging to win some races here. Yeah, he looked completely buried uh, through the first couple of races of the year, and not like you said, I mean, top five again at Kansas, and... You know, looking ahead now to Darlington, as you say that, DJ, I'm tempted to think like, okay, Darlington, best of the best. You know, we're definitely going to have a repeat winner. But you're right. Like, um, I, I guess I, you could even put Benedetto on that list. I mean, certainly we know how good Denny Hamlin is yeah. at Darlington. I think Chase could win there. Yeah. Harvick also has been a factor there. You know, interesting, too, because two races at Darlington this year mm-hmm. scheduled. You know, last year we had three races at Darlington, but that was because <laughs> of the pandemic. This is the first time there have been, I think, two annual scheduled races at Darlington. Probably have to go all the way back to, like, 2004. And also an op- a, a preview of the playoff opener. Yeah. So... A ton of things uh, as NASCAR heads to Darlington Raceway this weekend. What's, what's your take on the Lady in Black? Yeah, that I, I think you, you mentioned uh, Denny, uh, Harvick, and Chase, and that they might have to be the, the three favorites there. Uh, hmm. At least Chase and Denny, I, I would put as the favorites to, to win the race. And so uh, I think it's very possible that uh, you know after Sunday that we say, okay, it's a that's eleven out of twelve uh, uh, when we look at that. The, the thing is, you get in. There, there's not much strategy to be played. I mean, you need four tires all the time, and so it's the, it's the best cars. But uh, Chase had that a couple of times last year at Darlington, uh, so I look at him as being somebody. His program looked a lot better at Kansas than what they had been uh, early on uh, in the year at mile and a half. Harvick, uh, still some concerns there with their race team, uh, even though they showed some speed. And I know he finished second at Kansas, but the, they, that was kind of manufactured by uh, pitting a couple of times late uh, and having better tires at the end of that race. Uh, Denny, I, I'm hoping he's not getting frustrated uh, right now. Yeah, uh, really. You know, yeah. that he's, you know, he's had a top three car in almost every single race and has yet to put it in victory lane. And, and we, we talk about uh, Larson being frustrated yesterday. I, I don't think Denny had the best car. Uh, I think they did a great job of taking a car that was not good at all at the beginning of that race uh, and, and making it a lot better. And so you go to a place that Denny uh, has, has typically been good and, and kind of where he was founded, uh, if you yeah. will, in the yep. Xfinity race there years ago uh, by Joe Gibbs Racing. And, and uh, uh, so I think that he has a good shot at winning that. But but that frustration level can set in. Uh, you, you start pressing a little bit more, uh, knowing uh, that these opportunities start slipping away. And this all kind of goes back to the end of last year, too, to where you know they had such a, a, a great regular season. And the first four or five races, maybe of the, the playoffs, probably four races, uh, they were performing at a high level. And then you know it was a decline. And now it's not that they're not performing at a high level. The results don't show what they're looking for, and that's a trip to Victory Lane. Yeah, I mean, you could make the case he is the best driver in Cup this season so far, and yet he doesn't have a win, which, yeah. to your point, <laughs> enormously frustrating. But this would be a great place to get it, as I mentioned. 1.366-mile oval, not a lot of similarities to many other places on the schedule, but <laughs> it opens the playoffs. So yeah. I would think that we're going to see championship contenders really take this race seriously, yeah. and you know, the, the finishing order of this race could be a preview of what we see in September. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, I think that this is a good barometer as to who really has a handle on things, uh, because you, you say it's, it's not really like anything. No, it's not like anything whatsoever. <laughs> you can't even make a combination of other tracks and say yeah. that, that that's how you would run Darlington or set your car up for Darlington. Uh, it, it takes 
uh, certain driver skills uh, to, to make it work there because it is so totally different and the way that you you have to maneuver around this this racetrack uh, is incredibly difficult and uh, this won't be the the high downforce package uh, that we're looking at here so it's something that that the drivers are going to have to adapt to I think it's something they wanted uh, to where they put it more in the driver's hands so as we start when you start thinking about that you mentioned uh, the championship contenders uh, is who we'll probably see up front uh, that's exactly what I look for and it'd be a great preview and something as we get to our part and the playoff start uh, then we'll be looking at the finishing order of this and who ran well and who got the win and was able to do that. Can they carry that over? Yeah, huge amount of anticipation there. Uh, and as you mentioned, NASCAR and NBC will have it the next time we go to Darlington. You'll be there for that as well. And I uh, appreciate you being here as always today, DJ. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. We appreciate NASCAR and NBC analyst Dale Jarrett for joining the NASCAR and NBC podcast to talk about Sunday's race at Kansas Speedway. As always, great insight from DJ and also great to be able to tape again in person with him. We are taping these at the NBC Sports Charlotte studios on Mondays ahead of NASCAR America Motormouths, which you can watch on the Peacock platform. So it's nice to have the podcast as a warm-up for NASCAR America Motormouths on Peacock. Thanks as well to NBC Sports producers Aaron Feldstein and Emily Convoy for helping with the coordination and recording of this podcast. And as you heard, this episode also was taped on camera in the NBC Sports Charlotte studio. And you can check out the video version of the NASCAR and NBC podcast on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. Subscribe while you're there. There's tons of great video content posting daily in that spot, including full replays of those NASCAR America Motormouth shows on Peacock. The NASCAR and NBC podcast is available wherever you download podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review to help spread the word. And any feedback you can send to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.